Yeah. 
Just lift up those hands. I say yes, Lord. I say yes, Lord. Yes. To your will, Lord. Say yes, Lord. Let's sing it one more last time. Ce matin, Seigneur, descends, ô oh Dieu, purifie nous, Seigneur Jésus-Christ, de nos péchés, Saint Jésus-Christ. Ô oh Dieu, nous voici, Seigneur, devant ta face, Seigneur. Crois, nous croyons, Seigneur. C'est toi, Seigneur, qui guéris. C'est toi qui change, Seigneur, Seigneur, Père de gloire. Ô oh Dieu, change, Seigneur, nos cœurs, Saint Jésus-Christ. Ô oh Dieu, laisse, ô oh Dieu, que chacun de chez nous, Seigneur, qui est en tête, Seigneur, Seigneur, qui ne rentre pas, Seigneur, comme il était en tête, Saint Jésus-Christ. Purpie-nous, Seigneur Jésus-Christ. Aide-nous, Seigneur, à marcher, Seigneur, devant ta parole, Seigneur. Aide-nous, ô oh Dieu, à marcher, Seigneur, dans ta parole, Seigneur Jésus-Christ. Ô oh, Père, avant que le pasteur, Seigneur, passe, Seigneur, 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 matin, Seigneur, pour nous parler, Seigneur. Nous voulons, ô oh Dieu, que ce soit, Seigneur, toi, Seigneur, qui va passer, Seigneur, pour nous parler. Ô oh, Dieu, Père de gloire, commence avec nous, Seigneur, comme tu es l'alpha, Seigneur Jésus-Christ. Tu es venu avec nous, Seigneur, comme Oméga, Seigneur. Nous t'avons reçu, Seigneur, prié au nom du Tout-Puissant, au nom de Jésus-Christ. Amen. 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 As our special song testimonies will be coming to the floor, let us say, heavy load, heavy load, God is going to lighten up your heavy load. You can just raise it semitone, brother. Heavy load, heavy load, God is going to lighten up your heavy load, heavy load. Let those hands. Heavy Lord. Heavy Lord.
Come, 
Yeah, these were inspired items. They were not prepared somewhere in a garage, but they were inspired. Hallelujah. God bless you, sisters. Um, without any waste of time, we're going to uh, request our elder. Let us stand on our feet, maybe just for a few minutes, uh, and just sing Ebenezer Kosiyane Ungihole Kwazewala as our elder will be making his way to the foreign Give me the key, brother. It's too high. Zanko siyami baba Ubiwane kwase wana Ebene Zanko siyami baba Ubiwane kwase wana
love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We adore you. Close all hands. Let's just worship them. We love you, Lord. We adore you. We adore you,
toi. Lonali. worshiping song as we'll be welcoming our pastor to the fore. Let us say Adiko Igama Elishengala. Amen. You can just lower lower the keyboard and foot on. Sister Florence, uh, if she can just wave where she is, I don't know. Oh, okay. Amen. God bless you. Yeah, welcome. And I think Sister, uh, the wife to Brother Anthony is in the building. Where is she? 
if she can wave. God bless. Amen. Uh, I think let's not just waste time. Let's welcome to the man of God to the pulpit. I say time is fast spent. Amen. We love you. We love you. We adore you, Lord. We lay our lives before your Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We adore you. We adore you, Lord. We lay our Besides you, Lord, no other God. Let's worship the Lord in this house. again. It doesn't look like we were together just a couple of months ago or a month ago. Uh, we are pilgrims together in this land. It's testifying that if we are not weary of each other, there will be a place where we shall spend eternity with each other. Praise the Lord. See, the Bible says, do not be constantly at your neighbor's house. You'll be weary of you. Amen. Praise the Lord. But if uh, it's a particular neighbor that you love, you want them to have their uh, cabin in the portals of glory right next to you. Praise the Lord. Imagine if I was to be neighbors with uh, Abraham the other side, William Branham the other side, Paul the other side. Maybe we lived in a little cul-de-sac and it had all the generals of the faith. Amen. Remember, I would like to also have Daniel on the other side because Daniel wanted to live in this day. And he was told, go thy way, Daniel. It's a particular people with a particular makeup that are able to defy the 200 million demons that have been released in Laodicea. So I'm sure when we get there, we will not be at the bottom of the cul-de-sac. They also want to see the breed that overcame in the age of the internet. In the age where pornography is rife. Where things are happening at the speed of sound and light. So they would be happy to see us right now as we are sitting here. 
uh, about to uh, worship God, enter into his praises, hear his word. They are looking from the banisters or rather the corridors of heaven. Said, Look at them gentle warriors. These particularly, uh, 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 it's a special type of a breed. The kind of things that we are overcoming. Amen. They only knew that they shall be treacherous time. It's going to be very dark. But in the evening time, it shall be light. And we are the ones that are holding the torches of the light. Amen. Do you love the Lord? Praise the Lord. If you have made it to church today, what the devil wanted was to defeat you. Just by you entering into his house, you've overcome. Amen. Shall we bow our heads and pray? Our gracious heavenly father, Lord God Almighty, no doubt prayer has been offered before, even at the beginning of the service. But your prophet told us that we can never overpray, and we can never pray enough. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for having gathered us in this manner. For where the carcass is, there the eagles are gathered. Lord, we are gathered for the body word, and we are hungry as your children. Singer sang and said, come and dine, the master calleth. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. Lord, that signifies the miraculous that exists with his bride. Lord God Almighty, undertake for us as we stand behind the sacred desk. Many our lives have been ruined by the pulpit. Our intention and our desire is to build God's people to empower them and provoke their faith. Even as the Bible says, provoke one another to love and to good works. Lord Jesus Christ, at this point in time, would like to remember our sister who is in hospital at this, mo- at this moment, Sister Nyandoro. Lord, we truly see the other side of your grace. Whatever happened to her, if it had happened in the wrong place at the wrong time, we would be crying right now. So all is well. And we thank you and we trust that, Lord, as we are preaching, you are extending your healing virtue to her. We claim her life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, we surrender the service into your hands. Have thine own way and be a blessing to your people. Father, you say the greatest gift that William Branham had it was the ability to put himself aside. Father, allow us to put ourselves aside. Let the Holy Ghost have the preeminence. Use mortal lips to declare immortality. Oh God, move from bench to bench, soul to soul, need to need, request to request. Undertake for us as we stand in divine presence. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Do you love the Lord? So good to see you all. Amen. Uh, You know, there are places that you just love to be because of the youthfulness of the congregation, the energy, the vibrance. Amen. I don't want to be in no tired church where, you know, people are preparing to die. I like to be in a church where people are preparing to live. Amen. 
How many is under expectation? How many is preparing to leave? Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, without wasting much of your time, uh, I'd like to ask you to turn with me to the Bible. A few portions of scriptures, but I'll start with uh, just a couple and then we tie them up as we go. Amen. I was so blessed during the December meetings. Amen. I'm still thinking about the atmosphere and everything that went through. And um, uh, where's my brother? The one who normally wears a white jacket, very colorful. Hey, praise the Lord. Amen. Where is my brother? Yes, 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 yes. Ah, God bless you. Uh, I've come with my wife and I would like to introduce her to you so that you know. Amen. I've told her about you that... uh, Praise the Lord. I, I, I like people that are true to form and true to nature. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made. The diversity that we are is to serve a purpose. Praise the Lord. God is in the habit of attracting his people. Amen. By any means necessary. When God wanted to attract Moses... He said, what is it that can catch his attention? He says, let me make a bush burn, but I won't make its leaves to be consumed. So it will be a bush that burns without consumption of the leaves. So that Moses' attraction can be attracted. Then when he gets to be curious to see what's that, then the Lord speaks. So even in our natures as individuals, there is a peculiarity about us, I'm sure, There is a reason why God made me short. So that somebody would say when they are about to describe preachers, imagine if we're all the same height. There has to be someone that says, no, you know, Brother Crosby, the short one. Praise the Lord. So it's all good. It's all for the glory of God. He's got small mountains, big mountains, hills, valleys. So if you are made in any shape or form, don't try and seek to change what you are. Amen. Don't go for a nose job. Amen. The bigger your nose, the more fresh air you get into your lungs. Praise the Lord. The thinner and long as it is pointing, the more trajectory it has to go. It's just God's way of, don't worry about how you look. Amen. Message people don't go for plastic surgery. No, we actually appreciate that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. And the type of beauty that you are is such that not everybody will appreciate it. But it will attract the right person. Praise the Lord. To God be the glory. I'll ask you to turn with me to the book of Daniel chapter 5. They say Daniel understood the times by reading the books of Jeremiah. He read those spoken words until he ended up knowing exactly what is expected of him, his faith, his expectation of God by the promises that were found in the book of Jeremiah. So similarly to us, we should understand where we are by the spoken word. 
Daniel chapter 5. I shall read from verse 1. Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast of a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousands. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem. That king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron and of wood and of stone. In the same hour, came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrought. When the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote against another. The king cried aloud to bring astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, and the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known to the king of the interpretation thereof. Then was the king greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astounded. Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and chewing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel whom the king named Belshazzar, now let Daniel be called and he will shew the interpretation. Then was Daniel brought in before the king, and the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel which art in the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king my father brought out of Jewry? I have heard of thee 
that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellence of wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me that they would read this writing and make known unto me the interpretation thereof, but they would not show the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of thee that thou canst make interpretations, dissolve doubts. Now, if thou canst read the writing and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about thy neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said to the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known to the king the interpretation. O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom in majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared because of him. Who he would he slew and who he would he kept alive and who he would he set up and who he would he put down. In other words, he had the power to promote and to disappoint. But when his heart was lifted up, that's always the Achilles heels to people. Pride goes before a fall. And his mind hardened in pride. He was disposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory upon from him. And he was driven from the sons of men and his heart was made like the beasts and the dwelling things and the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High ruled in the kingdom of men and that he appointed over it whosoever he will. Amen. Let's just skip this and go straight. It says, or rather let's just read it to where we want so that at least we just get the full picture and then we preach from there. And thou, his son, O Bechaza, has not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this, but has lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and have brought forth the vessels of his house before thee, thou and the lords, thy wives and thy concubines, have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver, gold, and brass, iron, wood, stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know, and the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. Then was the part, listen to this carefully, then was the part of the hand sent from him. So God sent a part of a hand. Is that right? Sent from him, and his writing was written. And this is the writing that was written. Mene, mene, tekelufasim. This is the interpretation. Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Meds and the Persians. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his word. You may be seated in his presence. While we are there, I'll ask you again to turn with me to Jude in the New Testament. 
which is the last book before Revelation. So if you turn to Jude, there's a portion of scripture I would like for us to read. And then we go to third epistle of John, which is just before Jude. How many is happy to be in the house of the Lord? If you found the book of Jude, we will read from verse 1. It says here, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. So you've got to be sanctified, then preserved, then called. Amen. Amen. And then he says, Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, which means salvation is not an exclusive club where if you don't have a prophet, you are not in it. But if you have the prophet, William Branham, he never preached a private gospel. Even Pentecostals go online, take what they think works for them, don't take necessarily the whole word, then they use what they think and it works for them. And yet we are the custodians of this message and we should give it the utmost reverence it deserves. Let's give it number one place. Let's esteem it. Amen. And he says, Beloved, when I gave all due diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you. There's so many things I could have omitted, but this was particularly needful that I write these things unto you. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should sincerely, earnestly contend for the particular. T-H-E comes for something that is particularly known. The faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So we are not looking for a strange faith. Neither are we looking for some super duper thing. We are striving for that which we have seen and heard done by our predecessors, our elders. In this stage, if you wanted to understand what to contend for, you had to go back to what it was when they said silver and gold. Have I none? Such as I have. We have to go back to where people were taken out of prison by faith. Where the God of heaven, after people prayed in church, went to the prison house and loosed the people out of prison. So unless and until it becomes a revelation that we have a mandate to go to a particular delivered faith, we will try and manufacture our own. 
Now when we begin to contend for our own, every untested type of faith can run for a period, but it won't be long before it expires because that has never been God's protocol or order or way of doing things. God is so orderly that he can't leave us in Laodicea and not give us the goods to operate in this Laodicea. So he made sure that the last day believer is not coming to invent, is actually coming to be stimulated back to the faith of the fathers. When John came, he was supposed to stimulate to a new faith, the faith of the sons. That was Jesus Christ introducing another dimension of work. But when, when we come on the scene, we are supposed to go to what we have already had happened in the lives of those that were called, sanctified, and preserved to become our templates. So if you come to me with your T.B. Joshua styles, and I go to my Bible, and I go to my spoken word, and I see that this is a new type of a thing, before I even see how authentic it is, if it's not validated by the Bible, I have enough gunshot in me to say it's of the devil. Because it has no... You see, scripture cannot lie. Scripture says, I, have, I would have wrote many things, but this I made sure I do not omit. That you earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered. Now, that scripture ties in with Malachi 4.5. Because Malachi 4.5 is meant to convert. Amen. The faith of the children back to the fathers. Back to our Pentecostal fathers. So the template of how we should walk has already been laid up. And that template was laid up for every race. Black, white, Asian, uh, 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 Chinese, whoever you are. Because the spirits we deal with, they fall into all the categories. Amen. And there is witches that are white. And then there is witches that are black. Then there is then all the spirits that you find in a rural area. They are also in New York with a New York face. But the template and the method for which we should fight has just been given and said earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered. Are you with me? Are you with me? So my title this morning is... Okay. My title this morning is Catch the Vision of the Hand. That's my title. Catch the Vision of the Hand. Are you with me? Now, my title comes from an abstract type of preaching. I hope you catch this. It's not trying to be fancy. But just trying to show you that the message we are sitting under, amen, is the ultimate 
the best of God's strength he poured out to his last believers. Just like in an athletics team, you don't have a relay and have a, a dodo runner right at the end. Your first runner must be able to clinch a position. And your last runner must be able to clinch a position or maintain a position or recover a position in the event that somewhere there between runner two and three, the position was lost. The last runner must be able to have the same intensity with the first runner so that they are able to clinch the race in case we might have lost it in between. That is why William Branham is the only relevant prophet and messenger for the last day. There can never be no eighth messenger because there is no eighth church age. Amen. Neither can there be a God with a handkerchief walking in South Africa. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 May, may God forgive me for my remarks, but I just want to clarify a few things before I preach. Amen. As long as you've got a handkerchief and a toilet at your house, praise the Lord, you cannot qualify to be God. Mm, mm, mm. The only time God made a man God, he actually wrote a scripture and he said, I made him a little lower than angels. <laughs> Amen. And he made him to go to Gethsemane. Now, where will you go to Gethsemane in Jobek? Mm. But you see, if we. He look for fantastics and super dupers. The devil will sure give us some. Amen. Praise the Lord. I've often said in church, if a spirit comes of prophecy and it starts by saying, thou man of God, brother Crosby, I'll tell it, no, 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 tell me something I don't know. I already know I'm a man of God. That's why I'm in the message. <laughs> don't try and flatter me. I already know I'm a man of God. That's why I wake up and I read my Bible because I know I'm a man of God. Amen. Do you love the Lord? So my title is Catch, and I've highlighted that, Catch the Vision of the Pointing Hand. Are you with me? Now, what you are going to see is that it's not strange for God to operate by means of showing certain things in certain ways. Amen. When God wanted to show and pronounce judgment to the son of Nebuchadnezzar, he came with a hand. It wasn't a vision. It was a reality. Amen. The hand actually came and it wrote. And what it wrote remained for people to be scouted around the area so that they can come and interpret what's written. So whatever was written did not get erased until there was found an interpreter. Amen. It wasn't written and then erased and then somebody was told, everybody was told, come and see. What does this mean? What does this mean? So the hand that came in the book of Daniel, amen, to Nebuchadnezzar's son was not a vision. So, but my title is, Catch the Vision of the Pointing Hand, which means somewhere there you are going to see that there also came a pointing hand in the last days. And that's the vision I want you to catch. Are you with me? Are you with me? So what you must understand about our prophet's message, amen. There was a time Brother Branham had a man that was uh, going to die, amen. 
his, his name was uh, Brother Hall. Brother Hall was going to die, and God had told the prophet that Brother Hall is going to die, and uh, let him sort his house and make it in order. But one day at three in the morning, Brother Branham wakes up out of his house, and he, he, he comes into the passage, and he sees oranges that are rotten, sorry, apples that are rotten standing in mid-air, five of them. And it looks like the other one was trying to consume the other one. It was like a Pac-Man, those that played Pac-Man games back then. The prophet saw that and he wondered, what's that? It was God trying to attract his attention to something. Then when he moved closer, then God spoke to Brother Branham that this man is not going to die. Go and tell him that he's going to live. Are you with me? Then at some point, William Branham had a problem with a brother uh, who happened to be his former pastor, Roy E. Davidson. And Ray E. Davidson had said to William Branham, I'm going to publish an article against your religion. And Brother Branham was so offended, but he never did nothing. But he went to a place called Greensmill to pray. And while he was praying there, the Bible was left open in front of him. He, he, God created a certain type of wind that came and opened the Bible to uh, Hebrews chapter 6. And he, he read it and then he closed and he never paid much attention to it. And then after a little while, the wind comes again. It opens to Hebrews chapter 6. The prophet, until the time that the prophet read it, then he understood a few things. Then when the prophet came to South Africa... He came amongst skeptic believers that didn't believe in his ministry until one man went to pray. Praying against William Branham's ministry. And when he went to pray, while he was kneeling there, a hand came from heaven. He, he put a print upon the back of his shirt. Amen. And, and it left a very thorough imprint on his shirt. So now we see that hands are starting to come. And uh, the man went to uh, the breakfast meeting in the morning and said, something strange happened to me. Somebody, while I was praying, an angel came and touched me and it left an imprint on my shirt. And Brother Branham said, bring me that shirt. And he put his hand in there. And it was exactly, exactly. So now we're seeing the prophet is starting to use hands. God is trying to, is, is attracting the attention of the people by making an imprint. You don't ask me how and why and what happened for the prophets. And was the prophet there when this man was praying? I don't know. And I don't seek to know. But I know that the creator can borrow the performer of a hand. And come and put it on the prophet. Just so. And put it on a man so that he can vindicate his prophet. Are you with me? So do you see that there is too much supernatural around this message for us to concoct our own supernatural? Are you with me? So the prophet put his hand there and the shirt print was identical to the prophet's hand. But the man testifies that it was an angel that touched my on the shoulder. Amen. So my title is Catch the vision of the hand. In Daniel's day, it was not a vision. The man that was here in South Africa who was kneeling and praying, it was not a vision. But somehow, God had a peculiar way of dealing with our prophet. 
And whatever he dealt with with the prophet, it was particularly and mostly for the believer today. Praise the Lord. Do you love the Lord? So, as I go down, I just want to lay my background by this quotation and then we'll get to where we say catch the vision of the hand. Listen to this uh, analogy or rather trail of the hand uh, or rather of the ministry of William Branham from 1953. I'd like to read for you this as the prophet was preaching Israel and the church. Listen to this carefully. He says, look, if the church... And says, I say this with respect. If the church can't produce no more than reading, writing, and arithmetic, and the psychic side of the gospel, the Indians are finished. The Indians, like the natives of Africa, has got to see the power of God in demonstration. Are you catching it? Amen. And then the prophet goes on to further say this, says. Says, we've been sending missionaries over 50 years in Africa. And when he's supposed to be Christians come, they were pecking little mad idols under their arm, been sending missionaries over yonder. He says, they, why? The missionary told them. This is a reputation of copying, but you understand that our language, the language of our prophet was not uh, uh, Oxford audited. He says, why? He says, about healing. Now, Brother Branham is telling the scenario of when the missionary came to Africa. Amen. When the missionary came to Africa, he came and he didn't understand the spiritual side of the African man. So the missionary felt like if I get you educated and if I get you a school, if I get you a hospital, that's fine. But he didn't understand that some of our, our, our fathers had killed their neighbors and the spirit, the avenging spirit of the person they killed is wanting them. So they needed deliverance. From these nightmares and dreams that they faced, this man they killed because of the Bantu migration and all these things that they were fighting to find the, the, the women they raped and everything that created an avenging spirit amongst black people that makes black people go to Sangomas. So the minute the missionary did not understand that aspect about the black man. So what the missionary did, he simply said to the black man, listen, don't worry about that. It's okay, you can hold your little mud hearts and your, li your, your little mud things, and, 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 but just come to church. So at night, the black man would go to the witch doctor. During the day, he would go to church. During the day, he would come to church because he knows that his children will find a place at the missionary. And when it comes a funeral time, the missionary, uh, he, he will provide for the coffin. And uh, when we have problems that need money, because the missionary did not address the spiritual aspect. He addressed the carnal aspect. So, Brother Branham is saying the missionary did not do his job properly. He did not do 
and understand the needs, spiritually speaking, of the black man. And so does he not understand about the Indian man. Because the Indian man had so many gods. So those people did not need a theoretical gospel of saying, don't worry, if you are cold, I'll give you a We never wanted all those things. We wanted to be in touch with the super god. Are you with me? So Brother Branham is explaining the folly of missionary work and what was supposed to have been done. So he says, we've been sending missionaries for 50 years. Remember, this is 1953, which means he's talking about something that happened from 1900. And just before, in the 1800, uh, 1800 and something, you see. So he says here, says, they were packing their little mud idol under their arm. Been sending missionaries over for 50 years in Africa. And when the supposed to be Christians come, they were packing them little mud idol. Amen. That they told them. They told them, say why? About healing. They got healing out of the idol. So the missionary said, as for healing, don't worry, there is no divine healing. Your idol will sort you out. So they got healing. Said they, they got healing out of the idol, not through the idol. It says, and then Brother Branham now says, through God, God winked at their ignorance. So the missionary did not address divine healing to the black man or to the Indian man in India. But the black man believed that for divine healing, my idol will suffice. The bones I got from the witch doctor will suffice. So it became a concoction of all things. I hope you get it. If you listen to the tape, you listen to it clearly. And then the prophet says but, says, but God still healed the black man because he knew of his ignorance with his idol. So right now, if you find a black man trying to hold to something they got from a sangoma, it won't work. Because the days of ignorance have been winged at. Now it's time for you to know the exact God that you're supposed to believe. Right there where you are sitting to just say, Lord, I'm standing in the need of prayer. Undertake for me. It says, says, but when it came to the place where there was to be healed, the missionary said, oh, those things, their days are past. Yet the black man needed divine healing. We got that seminary. We got that in the seminary. See, that's already passed. There ain't no such thing as that. Well, he carried his idol for healing. So you'd come to church with your idol for healing, but yet you still want God. Says, so Brother Branham, when he came and saw his first missionary, uh, his first Christians that were under missionaries, you know what he did? He was coming from South Africa to Mozambique around this region. In Nesprit there. And he saw some people that were dancing to uh, a fire and jiving and dancing. You know what we do with ancestral worship. So Brother Branham saw that. And he, he had a party with him. A hunting party. Brother Branham went and joined himself with those people. And the brothers that were with him says, Ah, Brother Branham. Me, I don't understand. How come you are dancing with these people that are dancing to idol worship? And Abraham then explained that, no, these people are not actually idol worshippers. This is the best they know. 
I know and I've discerned that their hearts are sincere. They want to go direct to God. Amen. So he, he did not come and condemn them. He came and identified with them and then led them to Christ the perfect way. Imagine if you saw me with a sangoma of your location. Says, yes. Yes. Get me correct. Don't get me out of context. But you see, Brother Branham, the way he did that is not the way that other, others are actually going to sangomas for power. You see now, there's a difference there. So listen to what the prophet says. Says, I told him that the very God the missionary talked about was the head of all healing and proved it to them on the platform. So Brother Branham knew that the black man will never see God by telling him, read the Greek lexicon. That word soso means you've been totally delivered. No, the black man does not want to be told about deliverance. He wants to be delivered. The Indian man does not want to be told about deliverance. He wants to be delivered. So he says here, so, Brother Branham, that's when he came in South Africa, Deben, and he did all the miracles there. He was demonstrating. You remember there was another one that came and says, Amoya, Amoya. And Brother Branham says, no, 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 no. Says, Amoya fights for us when we are in the jungle because lions are scared. So, we worship Amoya. And Brother Branham says, no, 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 no. Animals are afraid of fire. It's, not, you, it's good that you sincerely worship God. But no, what you are thinking is the Amoya. Lions, as long as you've got a fire, they, they will not come. But in your mind, you thought all along that when we pray to Amoya, even lions don't come. We can sit by the fire. The lions will stay far. No! Lions are afraid of fire. <laughs> are you with me? So he says, says, so I told him, says, and I came to the platform. Then they accepted Christ and went out into the jungles. You remember those David meetings? Brother Branham said, when we preached and demonstrated the power of the Holy Ghost. We never told those people to dress up. The next service, they came dressed up. Because they had seen God in action. Are you with me? There was a particular case of a boy that had been having a chain around his neck whose uh, Toso was bent over uh, with a hunchback and he was behaving like a dog. But yet that boy came into the prayer line and the Bible, the, the spoken word says he was actually partly insane. But when he came to the prayer line, he never came for himself. He came for his brother who had fallen off from a goat and had got crippled and was sitting in a wheelchair and using clutches. So when Brother Branham saw the man coming into the prayer line, says, I've come so that you can remember my brother. I've come on behalf of my brother to be healed. And Brother Branham says, what? I've seen such kind of faith. Says, wherever your brother is, he's healed right now in Jesus' name. And the man screamed from the back of the congregation, lifted up the chair, came running. 
And this one is still crouching. Brother Bram says, because of what you've done for your brother, God also gives you your healing. And Brother Bram says, you could hear the backbone straightening up. Going... He left there healed. When the people saw that power, they put away their racism. They put away that, hey, that's an American preacher. They said, we don't care whether he comes in a white skin and he speaks with an American accent. We have seen God. We used to worship him as a moya. We have seen his reality and his reality is what we want. Somebody say amen. So our God wants us to contend for the faith that was once delivered. Not some super duper thing. Somebody say amen to that. So Brother Branham is commenting now. He says, you see, then they just accepted Christ and went out into the jungles. When they were preached to in Durban, they went into all the jungles of Africa. Is that right? Says one of the fellows out there that went out, now he's talking about another brother from America, is baptizing on the average of a thousand a week. He's your prophet who is saying he's baptizing a thousand a week. And then some of us say, No, message churches are supposed to be small, you know, we are supposed to be deep in the seals. Why aren't we baptizing ten a week? If we were baptizing 10 a week, I came December. Is that right? Let's count the weeks from December to here. We should be having at least 50 new believers. But do you see now, politics has cankered us. And it has taken us off of what we're supposed to do. If you are in the will of God, you will have distractors and, dis- and people that will question and, and, and say, ah, no, these, these people, you know, he, 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 the, the messy city is over. Is there anyone that God came to and told that, you know what, we have closed the doors for salvation. Stop testifying. So they were baptizing a thousand a week. It says, right now, native themselves says, that's missionary. God's doing a real quick work. Because Laodicea is the shortest church age. So God is doing a real quick work. Says, how many hear the wings of healing Dr. Wyatt and them and a bosom friend of mine, Raymond Woyextra. That's a South African name. That Says, because he's preached right here in the tabernacle. Raymond Oyextra. He went up into East India. Up there. And had a revival. And the thousands of converts up there. See? What God's doing? Oh, oh, look here. Let me ask. Let me say this. Let me give an illustration. So, Brother Abraham is making... You listen to that part in the tape you will be so blessed. It's different when you're reading it. So, Brabham said, let me give an illustration. So, the illustration he's giving is about levels of spirituality. He says, here, here is one sphere. And here is another sphere. And here is another. He says, now, down here, down here, is the nominal church. And up here, here, is the sublime. 
And here is where we are supposed to be. Right next door to heaven. <laughs> where the powers of God is leaking down. Alright? says, it drops on this, drops down through to this one. And then down through to this one. So imagine, if you are in the bottom of the pile, the nominal Christian, those that are living next to heaven, it comes as a power, it's utilized, it's a flood, comes to the next level. By the time it gets to the bottom level, it drops. Is that right? Says, this is the nominal church. It just goes on. Just on cold professions. And little ritualistic affair. That, that is the nominal church, the one that's right at the bottom. They just get the very slight drippings. The next church up here, full gospel, get some of the blessings, but they go off into isms. God visits a church, gives them a supernatural or something. They want to recruit everyone and say, we are the ones that have it. That's why now we have isms. We have this camp and this camp and this camp. It's failing to utilize the power of God. Yet God wants to come down and help his people. So they go into isms. Says, If we've got to lift it up into the next phase, here, then we can have a rapture. And the prophet says, it's exactly. That's right. You've got to get it up in that before we can have it. So, in other words, before the rapture happens, the bride is supposed to experience a type of faith that the scripture says in Jude, let us contend for the faith that was once delivered and yet not get into an ism. In other words, can God trust you with something supernatural such that you still won't change your demeanor and look down on others as that church is dead? Those people don't know the message. See, once you get into that, see, God is looking for a man who when he blesses, he humbles himself. The more blessings he gets, the more humbler he becomes. Are you with me? So do you see Brother Branham is explaining in the message Israel in the church. He is explaining the phases. He is explaining what the church ought to be. And he says, I am speaking this with utmost respect. The African man and the Indian is not just going to settle for theoretical things. They want proper deliverance. And then he says, okay, let me demonstrate it with these phases. We have three phases. You have a nominal church and then you know, slightly nominal, and then, but you need people that live right next door to heaven, then rapture condition will be created. He said it's 1953, eh? Listen to this. And that's true. Now, and there you are, mark that in your Bible. And then the prophet is talking about this, he says, he has never told me anything ever since I was a baby and the pillar of fire. And my own mother sitting right back there, that's 15 years old when I was born, she opened up the little window 
and the angel of the Lord came in and stood there. That from that time, since I can remember, he's never told me one thing that's wrong. Here I am in the city right where I was born and raised. In other words, go and verify in every corner whether I'm a true prophet or not. Isn't it strange that people that have never had FBI follow them are the ones that are questioning Brother Branham. This man had the FBI. The government knew of his existence. And he says here, and, and he puts this quote, he says, go around. This is where I was born. This is where I was raised. He's never told me anything. He says, and ask any person if ever you think, if one thing was told in the name of the Lord, but what come to pass just exactly like it said so. So I know it's all right. See? Now, if you come to where I was born, I can't tell you, go and ask everyone that I'm a Christian. Because there are certain places I would wish you don't go. Because if you ask, you might not want me to stand here. But Brother Branham could tell you, go in every corner. Ask everyone about my life, they'll tell you. And then you come in, 19, in 2016, 17, and you say he was not a true prophet. When he's saying that. That's an open declaration. Just suss me out. Investigate. You won't find nothing but what I've said to be the truth. And he says, now, at the end of that, end of that vision, you need to go and get the vision. I seen my Bible coming to me. And it turned over to Joshua chapter 1. And that has constantly been before me. Oh, I just can't get away from it. Brother Bram is explaining visions and things. He says, I saw a vision. Then at the end of the vision, uh, my Bible was opened. It says, I seen, a, 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 I seen my Bible come to me. And it turned over to Joshua chapter 1. And that has constantly been before me. Oh, I just can't get away from it. I know that. He will work it out, whatever it is. You will stand or have to stand or be as. Now, the Bible came to the prophet and opened for him Joshua chapter 1. Are you getting that? And then he read the scriptures where the Bible opened and it never got away from that. So in 1953, he's saying, it said, uh, 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 he will work it out or whatever it is. You will stand or have to stand or be as or something pertaining to Moses. This is the prophet you want to argue. Who is equated to Moses. Third Exodus. So he can't understand what the Bible is saying in 1953 that you will stand or it will be something to be like Moses or stand as Moses. And I never thought too much about it. I told my family and told them of my, of my loved ones that I saw the divine one, yet he spoke as a man. Are you getting it? 1960. Preaches a message as I was with Moses. Listen carefully. So we now see that a Bible came to him and it opened to Joshua chapter 1. 1960. But then last Tuesday morning, 
About three o'clock, something happened. I was at home and standing before me in a room was the divine one that spoke words I did not understand. The divine one is back again. Seven years later, 1960. On Tuesday, last week. Are you getting that? And he says there, and the time that is appointed, says, I did not understand. And the time that is appointed is near at hand. And I did not hear him too good. But he was a divine one. And he said, seven more days and you will stand as Moses stood. Or will be as Moses was. Or something concerning Moses. That leaves me one more day before today. And was the sixth. I don't know what that means. And then I noticed that my message of last evening, the Lord let me choose Moses. And, his, and this morning, it's Moses and his successor. We are in the third exodus, as we all know. So, the ministry of William Branham is equated to Elijah and to Moses. Are you with me? This is a message, church. This is a basic message. And he says here. So, now, in this morning, I'm preaching about Moses and his successor. Now, if you listen to the message... As I was with Moses. It's mainly Brother Branham repenting and crying. Saying, Lord, I'm sorry I've let you down. You opened to me the new ministry. 1953, speak to this. Squirrels are spoken. 1960, from strength to strength, squirrels are spoken. But yet still, he kept doing the first two pulls. He kept wanting to tell people the vision. And tell people what has happened in their lives. So, 1960, he really now cries and says, Lord, let me just do what you've called me to do, which is now the operation of the third pool. So, in this now, he says, now I no longer have to see a vision on you and tell you where you've been, what you've been. But I just have to say, by faith, receive and be healed. So if you are an ardent message believer, please listen to these tapes in the order I'm preaching them so that you can catch my thought. Are you with me? And he says, that leaves me one more day. So now I'm preaching about Moses and his successor. And the scripture that I'm about to approach this morning is concerning Moses and Joshua. And the scripture, Joshua chapter 1, has always been a very outstanding scripture. Never preached out of it my life. I'm going to try it this morning. But the same Bible was opened to him in 1953. Here is a Bible and it opened the scriptures. Are you getting the thought? It says, but about two years ago, I saw the Bible in the room and coming down and stand where I was and a hand from above, came down and parted the pages and turned them out and come down to Joshua chapter 1 
to verse 9 and stopped and says, going slowly. Are you seeing that? So the prophet is saying, just like the hand that came and wrote many, many take a look at him, he now is in his room, the Bible comes, and it opens to Joshua chapter 1. And the, by the end starts to roll to tell the prophet, read Joshua chapter 1, from verse 1 to verse 9. Are you with me? Says, says, and stopped going slowly. There was a hand that came to the Bible and the, and the prophet opened Joshua chapter 1. So the, the hand, no body, no angel, the hand. So I'm saying my sermon is catch the vision of the hand. Amen. So the Bible is opened by that hand in the room with Brother Branham to Joshua. The Bible, the hand comes and says Joshua chapter 1. Right, right. Now, Joshua chapter 1, yes, the hand, the prophet is just there. The hand is opening the Bible. It says, Joshua chapter 1. Now, Joshua chapter 1 has 18 chapters. So, the hand comes and says, we just want to open and go down slowly. So, the hand comes and says, now, after that, let's open Joshua chapter 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. It came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. And the hand scrolls, goes to verse number two. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, and all these people unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet shall trod upon, that have I given unto you, as I was, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness of this Lebanon unto the great river Euphrates, the, uh, all the land, the hard tides and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be to the coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor, nor, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. The angel is now, the hand is on verse number six and he's telling the prophet, be strong and of a good courage. And then he goes on and says, only be strong, verse number seven, and very courageous and thou mightest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left hand. Don't leave the message. Don't get something extra. That thou mightest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Verse number 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of the mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou, that thou mayest observe according to all that is written therein, for thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Then thou shalt have good success. The hand is left with one more verse. The hand says, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. So my title is, you catch the vision of the hand. 
In the vision of the end, read the Bible from Joshua chapter 1. From verse 1 to verse 9. It wasn't for the prophet. Remember the prophet says, now I'm going to speak to, uh, to you about Moses and his successor. If the prophet is our Moses, we are the successor. So we are included in the vision of the end. It gives me to understand that the scriptures that are written in the vision of the end, they pertain to you and me. And when the prophet preached as I was with Moses, he opened his scriptures to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 to 9. Then afterwards, in 1962, the revelation kept growing. He then preached a message called Paradox. Using the same scripture, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 to 9. And then also Joshua chapter 10. That's where he got his text of paradox. And in Joshua chapter 10, he mentions that Joshua stood there and said, Son, stand still. Never, ever before was the voice of a man hearkened by God. And Joshua is a predecessor to Moses. Which means now he is operating according to Joshua chapter 1. He is now being strong. He is in a battle. And the battle is going in a direction he does not want. He speaks the third pool. And he says, son, stand still over the valley of Ajalon. Somebody say amen to that. He is now living and operating in the vision of the hand. So I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, you catch the vision of the hand. While the world is under condemnation by defiling the things of God, they also have a vision that spoke and said, Mene, mene, take a But we also have a hand that came down and said, Your portion is Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 to 9. Is the someone tonight that says, I will catch the vision of the hand. The hand speaks to me from verse 1 and says, My prophet is dead, Moses. Amen. And I am, Joshua represents the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost is not in trees, he's in the bride. This is bride portion now. Somebody say amen. Says now, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. This is when the bride arises, showing that we are the final voice to the final age because we are under the dispensation of Moses. Amen. And then it says, verse number three. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you. Brother, when you're operating under this vision of the hand and you want a job, you go to an interview and you really want that job, you get there, you step in and say, footprints means possession. According to that scripture, every place I place my foot, that place have I given you. Hallelujah. You want a tender, you want a contract, you just have to put your foot on there and say, I remember the vision of the hand. Every place I place on, amen, that place is given to me. Are you with me? And he says here, he gives them the territory. That's the territory of the Bible is from Genesis to Revelation. If what you want is got a scripture, you can receive it. This is our territory. 
This is our territory. From the river Euphrates to the river Jordan. These are our boundaries. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, and every line. If healing is in there, it's mine. If healing for my loved ones is in there, it's mine. Whatever is in there, I can claim for God's glory. Are you with me? Verse number five. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of your life. There's no demon or hex or curse or anything that is man-made. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Says here. But there is a condition. The condition is in verse 6. The condition is be strong. Every faith expedition you must have some strength. Whatever you are going for it's not going to be given on a plate. The devil will say boo. That's when you say boo back. So you've got to be strong. Let me ask you. Why would you tell people be strong when they are already strong? It means your opposition might actually frighten you. So Joshua is being told be strong. And if you notice from Joshua chapter 10, every army that Joshua fought against, they were the minority. So they could easily be overwhelmed by the numbers. And their, their sight will declare that this is a no event. We are five times littler than they are. But he had already been taught and schooled under his prophet Moses. That the bigger the giant, the harder it falls. Because they had been taught during the dispensation of the prophet. When they were told to go and get a man. Those, those, the 12 spies that went over with Joshua and Caleb. Only Joshua and Caleb said, we are more than able. Others came with the same report. Says, we were like grasshoppers. So were we in, our, in, the, in their sight. How do you see what someone is seeing in their sight? You go right back to their mind into their cornea. And you see, oh, I see the way they are measuring me. I think I look like a grasshopper in their sight. So Joshua understood by the prophet of his day that opposition, no matter how big it is, as long as you stand your ground and you are strong, it will crumble. So he says, be strong. So you can be strong and not have good courage. So he says, be strong and have good courage. Courage is a motivational factor. It's something that tells you you can. It's yours. It belongs to you. If not you, then who? If not now, then when? So being strong alone you can be strong but demoralized. But you want to be be strong and of a good courage. This is depicted in Caleb. Caleb. When they said we were more than see we were like grasshoppers. Caleb 
he was strong and said, let us go at once. He never said, let us go and strategize. Let us go at once. So, being strong needs to be combined with good courage. Have you ever met people that say, I knew it, it wasn't going to work. I tried, but I knew it wasn't going to work. No, no, no. You were strong, but not courageous. A courageous believer will say, I will not stop until I get it. I've read the scriptures, I've read the spoken word, I've prayed about it, I've believed it. Even if I have to die before it happens. But at least I want to hold my testimony. And that takes being strong and of a good courage. And he says, For thou shalt divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto the fathers to give them. Then it comes again, verse number 7. Only! You mean to tell me verse number 6 did not emphasize the point? It did. But God made sure that he reiterates the point in verse number 7. It says, only be thou strong and very courageous. See, God hates vain repetition. How many have read that scripture that when you pray, don't come with vain repetition. But when God wants to emphasize things, he doubles it. John chapter 14, verse number 12, says, Whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do it. And then, verse number 13 says, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Isn't that repetition? But the issue is, it's not vain. It's reiterating a point. (laughs) God wants to show you that I mean what I say. When he says, be born again, he never says, verily be born again. He says, verily, verily. Isn't that repetition? But he is saying to say to you that this is a point of note. Don't neglect it or bypass it. You need to actually make sure that this is carried out. Hence now, that's why I'm tracing the story of the vision of the hand. Now, Brother Branham allowed that hand to teach him Bible lesson. At the time, the Bible was opened to a portion. Amen. And the portion it was opened to is Genesis 24. We understand that. It showed him his ministry as Eliezer. Then later on, the same God opened again another portion of scripture. And whenever God opens a portion of scripture for your prophet, it means you, the message believer, you ought to take particular attention because that in itself is something that should show you what your message is for your day. 
Are you with me? So, he says now, verse number 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein night and day. So before I can start to get other things that are not in the message, have I scoured through all the tapes? Before I can start to subscribe to something else, anything that the prophet spoke about, do I understand its significance and what it was meant to bring for my life? Or we just bypasses, you you know. That's why a lot of people are bored. When you find people trying to find extracurricular activity in the message, other than contending for the faith that was once delivered, it means they are bored. So they have to manufacture something that gives them relevance. But brother, if every believer takes it upon their life to say, Jude said, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered. That's what I'm going to do with my life. Then the prophet comes and he starts to elaborate this issue of this vision of Joshua chapter 1 and the hand coming in midday opening the Bible and scrolling slowly. Why did that hand scroll slowly? So that we also can also begin to scroll slowly. And Joshua was told you shall prosper whithersoever you go. So when Joshua had a defeat at I, he said, it's not according to what the commission was given to me. The message is not supposed to have 99% victory. It's supposed to have 100% victory. That 1% that you are failing, you must be able to go back to God and read, said, your hand scrolled slowly. And it said, you shall prosper whithersoever you go. How come I'm not prospering? Then Joshua, when they didn't prosper, it's I, he went and prayed, said, Lord, what minute is that Israel is now turning their back? God said, there is sin in the camp. So as long as there is no sin, a believer is expected to have 100% victory at work, at home, wherever you are. You are supposed to make this script alive again. Otherwise, we should just tear this portion of scriptures. The Bible could do without this page if we are being defeated every day. We are now nearing the end of the time where we are supposed to be amassing rapturing faith. But for you to have the confidence that you can rapture your body, you must rapture a cancer. You must rapture a tumor. You must rapture anything that comes into your body. You must rapture your circumstances. You must rapture your poverty. If you can rapture material things, it's exercise that you can rapture your body. So as the prophet preached, as I was with Moses, this is 1960. After new ministry, 1949. I'm sorry, 1959. In the 1962, he preaches paradox. Amen. 
And he still says, now that hand says, I don't know whether I shall be Moses or stand in front of Moses, but now I'm talking to, I'm preaching about Moses and his successor. We are the, the beneficent successors of the message of William Branham. I don't see a tenth of the life that was produced by William Branham. It means we have not caught the vision of that end. So Brother Branham says, I saw the Bible in the room come down and stand where I was at and a hand from above came down and parted the pages. Turned them out and come down to Joshua 1 verse 1 to 9 and stopped going slowly. There's 18 verses in Joshua chapter 1. But it came and says right. Then it stopped. In the last place it stopped. It says, have not I commanded thee? Be strong and have a good courage. How many times have we heard be strong and have a good courage in the verses we just spoke about? So, faith is all about being strong and courageous. If you observe your opposition, you forsake your own mercy. You kind of have believers that don't want a challenge. They go and knock a door. And then the door says, yeah, we are closed. We are not opening. He says, I knew it. Never happened. I knew it. I knew it. I'm happy as I, I knew it. Ah, these things, just a waste of time. But a real believer that's prayed and knows their position in Christ and what they're supposed to, they will knock until that door is opened. Says here. Says, and he turned, going slowly. I have waited for this hour to approach where I could feel that it was God's will for me to speak concerning it. Which means from 1953, where we started from, he was not sure whether to preach about it, to speak about it, or to know. He didn't know exactly that, is it really God's will? Will this be not sacrilegious? Then, 1965, he preaches a message called Paradox. It says, a few years ago, that I would take a Bible, this is how they used to preach, Brother Branham in them. I would take a Bible and let you hand me the Bible. To do this, Brother Madiba. This is how Brother Branham used to get his text. Hand me the Bible. Service comes to the pulpit, doesn't have a text. Lord, what would you have to speak to your children? He says, a few years ago, they would hand me the Bible when I first started my ministry and just take your Bible and many of you who have seen me do it, have seen me do it, just hold it out and open like that and say, Lord, where is your message? And then you would say, hmm. then you would start to preach from that. Remember, the, in the message life story when you went to Mishawaka, he wasn't even supposed to preach. And then somebody said, there's a young preacher from Baptist and said right at the back. And Brother Branham said to an elder, and he says, I'm the one they're looking for, but hide me because I haven't got a preacher's clothes and I can't go in front of such a big congregation. And the man says, he's right here. No notes. No nothing. I suppose he started to pray as he was going to the pulpit. He says, Lord, make a way. I don't know what message you've got for your people. And then he got to the platform and then he opened his Bible and he saw in hell. 
They, in hell. He says, right. He got his messages. In hell, they wept because mama was not there. In hell, they wept because papa was not there. In hell, until he finished his message, by the time he said amen, the whole congregation was weeping. The Lord, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. And Brother Branham is now commenting in the message, paradox, 1965, paradox was preached three times and its relevance is still the vision of the hand and he takes the same scriptures, Joshua chapter 1 and Joshua chapter 10. Are you with me, church? So he says, a few years ago, I will take the Bible, let you hand me the Bible, then I'll start my ministry and just take your Bible. And many of you, we've seen me do it. Just hold it open like that and say, Lord, where is the message for me? And says, it opened to Joshua chapter 1. And the Bible that you would hand me, it means there came a season that if, if Brother Skosana would hand me his Bible, would hand the prophet his Bible, it would turn to Joshua chapter 1. And another brother from a corner says, okay, read mine, it will turn to Joshua chapter 1. And another one would read mine, it will turn to Joshua chapter 1. Brother Branham was being given that attention by God himself because God wants to attract the attention of the believer. So he says, it opened to Joshua chapter 1 and any Bible that you would hand me until one night a vision came which you are familiar. I've seen that Bible come down from heaven and end with a collar of cuff. It was a hand. It wasn't a hand with a poor man. It was a collar with a cuff link. <laughs> It wasn't the end that said, men and men, they take a loofah him. It came with a calf. It says, and the hand came with a collar or a calf like this and went down the first nine verses of Joshua. Which means the commission for the bride is Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 to 9. All those verses, whatever challenge you are facing, be courageous, be strong, be courageous, be strong, be courageous, be strong. Whatever it is, you go back to that scripture. And then you say, footprints means possession. If you are living right, you can chase every demon. If you are living right, that's why you know when you don't succeed that it's my lifestyle that is costing me on this issue. It's my attitude. It's the way I, I'm an akan in my own life. The only defeat that Joshua faced was the akan defeat. All other battles when he said, sun stand still over the valley of Ajalon, it stood still. The sun said, right, 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 right. Some people were thinking, is this a total eclipse? It's not going down. What's going on? And others were saying all sorts of things. But God was so sure that his servant cannot be defeated because God is the one that came with the commission. 
So the commission became a scripture to, to Joshua. And when the sun stood still, God decided to help Joshua fight the war. He said, right, there's too many soldiers and my soldiers are few. Let's take some stones from here. Let's take some hailstones and start to hit the enemy. One by one. Pow, 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 pow. No Israelite was stoned from heaven. And Joshua's army, he was fighting five kings. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, those 200 million devils that were released after the seals, those ones, they are for us to fight. Not for us to be intimidated by. For every anti-type, there is a proper type. So Brother Branham says, it, every, because of this, every time somebody gave me a Bible, it went to these scriptures. And he says, then the hand with a collar on a cuff like this went down the first time in the book of Joshua. Brother Branham in the message proving his word. He says, God has promised us good success. That's the scripture. It's still in Joshua chapter 1. Good success. Because other success is not good. You can become so successful. So successful. Such that you want to control the church with your success. Or you'll just send a text to the deacon and say, I'm not coming to church because I've got a business deal I have at the golf course. crying and, 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 and seeking God in church. You've become so successful. He says, no, the pastor should understand. This is where the man I'm paying, that big tithe is coming from. So your success is not good. You can become so successful that your success will actually affect your relationship with God. There was a man in the Bible called Uziah. Became so successful from the age of 16. Everything he touched was blessed. Until he thought, oh well, since I've been this successful, surely I can be a preacher. I mean, I've seen them do it. They read quotes in the Bible and they come. This is exactly like how I do my presentations in the boardroom. Firstly, I must learn the skill and art of captivating my audience. So it's, it's no brainer. So Uziah went to church one day. He says, Ah, hey, Muruti, sit down. Today I'll do Muruti's part. And the Muruti says, My brother, you are not called for this. He says, Ah, brother, have you not seen the Holy Ghost operate in my life from the age of 16? So it becomes success but not good success. So we must aim for good success. How many say, Lord, help me to get good success? And good success only comes when you catch the vision of the hand. Praise the Lord.
Praise the Lord. Look at this. It says, So do you see? Now, the book of the book of Joshua becomes the keynote book for the prophet. Particularly verse 1 to 9. In Joshua chapter 10, Amen. And then he preached a message called Is I was with Moses? Paradox. First time he preached paradox, 1962. Then after the seals, he preaches it. He preaches paradox in 1963. And then he preaches it in 1965. And in the whole entire series, he gives a particular example of a man that he went to have ice cream with. And when he sat down and had ice cream with the man, the man said, Brother Branham, I would like to tell you something. Because I know you believe it. I can't talk about it to many people. Because they might not believe it. Brother Branham says, oh, go ahead, my brother. He says, back there in the depression, I used to run a drug store, a pharmacy. So, during the depression, there came a man with a pregnant woman. But they did not have the government stamps for them to get the medication. So when they came into the queue, I told them, we are sorry. We only give when there is a prescription. So the man turned back as if he was going away with his wife. And says, I was sitting in the back office and my son was the one administering that drug. I said to my son, hold on. Bring them back. Then they came back. Says, let's just help them. Then the father came out. Then they started to save. Then they gave them the drugs without the money and without the prescription. So as they were handing them the 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 man the 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 drugs, he saw the nail scarred hands of the Lord Jesus Christ and the performer of the Lord. And says, Brother Branham, do you believe this? And Brother Branham said, I believe it with all that's within me. It's a paradox. Something that is incredible. But yet it's true. And Brother Brown says that's the realm. After the opening of the seals. The believers should be living in. Every day we should expect a paradox. God bypassing the process. And Brother Branham says you see. You must live expecting to live like that. says, okay. The earth itself, standing in the middle of the air, it's a paradox. When he turned water into wine, it's a paradox. When he turned five fishes and two loaves to feed 5,000, it's a paradox. And Brother Bram says, he could break it and it will multiply and break it and it will multiply and break it and multiply. And he says, that element is with us. Direct quote. I am quoting a direct quote. Says that element of multiplying little is with us. And then he says, okay, okay. Would you rather would you rather go out and catch the fish and scale it and fry it and scale it and fry it to feed the 5,000. 
says, a paradox bypasses the process of catching the fish, of cooking the fish, of making the things that make the normal process. And it says, that's the element for the message of the hour that we bypass process. It says, when he turned water into wine, he bypassed the farming. He bypassed the growing. He bypassed the wine press. He just produced it. And he says, that element is in you and me and you and me and you and me. Every one of us, if you believe this message, that's what it says, contend for the faith that was once delivered. But if you live a life where you are, you, you, your favorite song becomes gladly will I toil and suffer only let me walk with thee close to thee. It's a very nice song but for the wrong church age. It was a good song for the time and the church age of the tribulation. This is the church age of the overcomer. Do I have any overcomers in here? If you are an overcomer, shout amen. If you are a believer, shout amen. The power of God, as we say amen, some tumors are dissolving. Hallelujah. Some clots are dissolving. Hallelujah. That's what is supposed to happen. And the prophet says, come to church and go out expecting a paradox. These are the telltale signs that the rapture is at hand. Hallelujah. When the believer becomes empowered, not when the pastor is empowered. Our duty is to empower you just like the prophet empowered us. So the prophet, I like this. My, my, my. Amen. He says, take on the armor of God. Amen. He says, now, we are longing for somewhere where there is no death, no sorrow, no heartaches, no old age. That land is somewhere and we will never be able to achieve it by guns. And will never be able to say by guns and fighting and so forth of natural carnal weapon. But there is a land that we can go to and it's a battle to get there. And then that's why the scripture says be strong, be courageous. Every faith expedition is building your spiritual muscles. Because the rapture is a faith activity. And the prophet already, you listen to tapes, you let the prophet tell you, faith is a strong man with hairs on his chest. And he goes to circumstances and he says, shut up. Because faith is a bully. Now your faith is supposed to bully your poverty, your sickness. All the things that are around you are challenging you. They are challenging your faith. So if your faith is a strong man, 
My little knowledge, I understand muscles are built at the gym. And every challenge you have is a gym experience for your faith. When you start, amen, you start lifting just 5 kgs of problems. Amen. And then you feel good that you've overcome your 5 kgs of problems. And then you begin to exercise on 10 kgs of problems. And then you feel good you've overcome 10 kgs of problems. And then you get to 50 kgs of problems. You'll be just going... And then... By the time you hit a 5kg problem, it's like you are picking a paper. By the time we get to rapturing faith, my brother, we have already lived right next door to heaven where the powers of God are flowing, not between, not even on the nominal church. Remember the first quote I started with. So all these things that we meet on a daily basis, don't run away from them. Don't bury your head in the sand. It's just to ask you. Your problem is asking you, what is your name? Who do you go by? If you are a strong man, you say, I, 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 Kona, I, It's it's a double expression of victory that is certain. Amen. I'm too big for you, my brother. I don't run away from my problems. If cancer comes knocking the door of your family, it's because you've got cancer-busting faith. Remember, the Bible done already said, God will not tempt you above that which you can bear. God will never give you a 50 kg weight when you can only carry five. But he starts to train you. So when the Bible says, let us contend for the faith, that was once delivered. It actually is saying. We have already received a prototype. Peter came to the Lord. Says Lord. My mother-in-law is not well. Every scenario was dealt with. <laughs> so if, if brother Anthony's mother-in-law is not feeling well. It's not, it's not brother Anthony's wife's mother. Brother Anthony's wife's faith that's required. Now we go to another phase. Brother Anthony comes with a scripture that says, Lord, even as Peter came and said, my mother-in-law. Daughter comes on her own accord, my mother. Everyone, there is a scripture for everything. The message is not a weak institute. Where we throw pity parties and feel sorry for ourselves and we quickly rush to the scripture that says all things work together for good. (laughs) Brother Branham says poor excuse. You want to excuse yourself from not having faith. I read that quote in my church and the people says, "Uh, nobody, if if anything happens, they don't say, ah, pastor, it's me who says all things work together for good because I'll be balancing the ship. But if you say all things, I say, ah, brother, what good is coming out of this? (laughs) You see, brothers, that is why if you look at the whole makeup of William Branham, He started with the hardest of preachers and teachers. 
God allowed him, while he had not repented, to be under a coaching boxing called Six Second Smith. When he got into the ring, Six Second Smith wasn't training him by his edge. He just goes and says, yeah, we, are, we want to spar. Yeah, six seconds, Smith will just come in. The guy falls and says, hey, supposed to be a sport. He says, yeah, stand up. Stands up. He's down again. He says, yeah, stand up. Says, you're almost about to kill me. He says, Billy, you're going to appreciate me when you're in the ring of life. Whatever beats you, it can keep you down. You'll keep bouncing back because your system is used to be beaten down and to quickly come back. You can never be counted out of the battle. You can't even throw in the towel. He wasn't born again then. He took that as a lesson. Then he got born again. And his first pastor was Roy E. Davidson. Roy E. Davidson went to church one day and there was an infidel with sulfuric acid and said, right, you people believe in Mark 16 where it says if you drink any deadly things, it will not harm you. Here is a glass of sulfuric acid. If you believe this scripture, come and drink it. It was a wall with 3,000 people. Nobody stood up. Roy E. Davidson was a young preacher, was a young preacher just a born-again believer. He stood up and he says, Lord, the Bible says, do not tempt the Lord your God. I'll rather go to heaven having proved the infidel wrong. I believe in your Bible. Then he stood up. He went to the... His pastor was saying, "Ah, don't be overzealous. Don't be overzealous. If I die, I want to die as the man that tried to prove to the devil that every scripture is infallible. So he rose up and he went, my brother. He took that little sulfuric acid. He says, Lord, for the sake of your word, that the unbeliever can't have the last laugh. And everybody was just waiting for him to drop. <laughs> 30 minutes passed. Nothing happened. One hour passed. Nothing happened. Two hours passed. Everyone was saying, God, you are real. God, you are real. God, you are real. Because God will not, will not back down on his scripture if you believe it and you are living right. We are guaranteed 100% success. This is the last message I preached in my church coming over here. And I brought out an example of a man that was Brother Branham's friend. And I come to Whitbank and I meet a similar circumstance. There was a man called William Douch, Bill Douch, in the spoken word. This man was the financier for Oral Roberts. But he received the message in 1960. When Brother Branham preached and showed baptism in Jesus' name, the man went straight to the water and got baptized. And ever since 1960, he started to go with Brother Branham wherever he went to preach. Then, in 1962, he took ill. He had a cardiac 
heart attack. That's exactly how it's written in the spoken word. And he went to the doctors. And the doctors put him under an oxygen tank. And they say, Brother Branham, your friend is gone. Remember, he is 91. He can't, he's lived 21 years past his allotted 70 years. So, Brother Branham went to pray. And he said, Lord, make a paradox for Bill Douch. And he received a vision. And in the vision, he saw himself shaking Brother Dow's hand at a service station. So he came and he said, Brother Dow, you shall not die because I saw you in a vision at a service station. And the doctor said, Reverend, you don't understand. You don't understand. Brother Bram says, I don't need to understand. This man has been following my ministry. He goes wherever I go with him. If you listen to any tape, I took a catalog of it. My wife bears me witness. That is, a, that is the point I closed this service last Sunday in my church. I took the life of William Douch. You will go to Los Angeles. Brother Bram wants to study discernment line says, I don't know everybody here except for Brother Dow and Sister Dow. They come all the way from Ohio. Then you leave California and then you go to North Carolina. He starts again. Oh, God bless you, Brother Dow. He's the only one I know here. Other than that, I don't know anyone. Then he leaves North Carolina and he goes to uh, 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 Tucson. Brother Dow. Then the whole of his entire life. So when the vision came to pass that the prophet prayed and said, you will see a paradox. Brother Dow. Brother Branham was woken up by the same hand at 11 o'clock at night and prayed. And then Sister Dow rang Brother Branham says, something happened from 11 o'clock. He started to gain consciousness. He is now speaking. He is now alright. A week later, he was in church in Jefferson View. And Brother Bram is coming and says, our brother Dow, the devil wanted to take his life last week. But the God of the paradox has preserved our brother. 1962, you trace it right up to the end of the year. He's in another place. Says, oh, Brother Dow has made it. Brother Dow is now 92 years. He travels across valleys and mountains, rain, sleet, and snow, and to so, right across so many time zones to come and hear me preach. And he says, the doctor that said Brother Dow is not going to make it, he has just died. But Brother Dow is still living. And then you hear Brother Dow being mentioned. 1963, New Year. Oh, God bless you, Brother Dow. You've made it for the New Year's meetings. 1963, seals. Brother Dow, you've come to hear the seals. When he was preparing to die, he said, Brother Branham, I'm tired in this body. Brother Branham says, no, you're not going to die. He says, Brother Branham, that quotation which many people use about soul examination, it's Brother Dow. He says, Brother Dow, when you gave your life to Christ, you passed from death unto life. 
That's the soul examination. You have believed the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. That's all you need to do. I've seen you. Then in 1965, Brother Bram is thanking the trustees. We'd like to thank the trustees for all the finances they've put up for the new structure that we want to build. We'd like to give particular thanks to Brother Dow for all the financing he's been doing. No wonder even at, 60, at 91, God said this one, he will not die. Because of his zeal, his love, his tenacity. And every major sermon that the prophet preached from 1960, whether it was preached in New York, whether it was preached in Arizona, whether it was preached in California, Brother Dow was there. And I want to tell you folks, those are the things we should contend for. Go back to the spoken word. Find your portion in there. Before I can have someone to tell me the future by prophecy, I've got to pass that which I'm reading. This one which says, I shall have good success. Brother Bram says, it's not difficult to measure good success. Good success is like mathematics. That's what Brother Bram says in proving his word. He says, when you work out a mathematic, you know you've got it correct. Because you can prove the answer by the question. And the question by the answer. If you've done all that the Bible has said, you should wait for the answer. Sometimes a lot of people think in their mind that because I've had faith, things will happen immediately. It happens immediately if your faith is at that level. But once you've believed God, and you know God will never fail on his word. You have to be strong in faith. Strong in faith means there is symptoms around you that are testifying otherwise. So that's when your strength of character comes into action. Where he says, you know what? I've prayed about this. I didn't just enter into it carnally or just do it zealously, but I sought the Lord. The Lord showed me it's going to come. Whether it's going to come today, I don't know, or tomorrow, but I know it will come. So as I wrap up my sermon, let us go to the third epistle of John. This is where I took the story of Brother Dow. Because the scripture says, brothers, I would that you prosper even as your soul prospers. A lot of people seem to think that that scripture only refers to healing. No, my brother. It means everything. It's the anti-type to the scripture of Joshua chapter 1 which means good success. Good success is when a believer has been able to claim his children, his all that pertains to him is in the fold. It doesn't mean they won't backslide at some stage. They will, but because of the guarantee of good success, if you've raised them right, we can send the Holy Ghost to arrest them wherever they are and bring them home. Believers, thou this? Third epistle of John, that's the book that is next to Jude. Do you love the Lord? 
It's only one, it's only one chapter book. Epistle. Third epistle of John. Verse 1 and 2. It said, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, who I love in the truth. Behold. Behold, he say, attention. Behold, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So as long as your soul is prospering, you ought to prosper in everything. That's exactly what happened to Joshua. He knew that we were promised good success. And God had to answer him and say, the reason you've not had good success, there is something that's not prospering in your camp. So as long as you are living right, every promise belongs to you. If you like it, and your neighbor that you are sitting to doesn't like it, it's yours. The Lord Jesus Christ as the church yeah, that had 12 believers. But there was this one awkward believer. This awkward believer was called Peter. Everybody would ask good questions, timely and intelligent and well thought out and well prayed for. But Peter would just open as he thought. And then you would think later that, oh, all oh my days. I should have answered, I should have asked that question in public. It's a private question. One day they are sitting in fellowship. Peter just says, Lord, we, we have followed you. We've left everything to follow you. What are we going to receive? I can imagine him sitting next to a spiritual brother. You ask such kind of questions. The Lord was quick to answer before the brothers rebuked him. He says, yeah, Peter. There is no man that has left fathers, mothers, houses, land for my sake, but will receive in this life, not in the rapture, before the rapture, in this life, so now, I've now got myself a wonderful nickname from other preachers that don't like my type of preaching. They said, ah, that one is Viedov to prosperity gospel. I said, exactly. At least you've identified what I'm preaching. Prosperity gospel. Because I hate poverty. And Peter hated it. And he thought to himself after a little while, this guy's got no house. He says, let's go to Bethany. We go. It's got no eye. You can imagine Peter like a South African say, hey, shh. Now he says, let's go to Galilee. Hey, shh. Then he says, oh no, let's go to Capernaum. Hey, shh. And his children were sending texts, dad, we've got nothing here. Peter said, I'm, I'm going to ask one of these days. I wonder, do I have any Peters? 
God takes his men but never his spirit. There must be a Peter somewhere to say, Lord, we, we have followed you. Because you must understand, if we don't address these things, we will lose our children in this country. They come home, everything is dull and prayerful. They go to school, they are bullied. They come to church, it's not relevant. People are busy preaching deep things. The will within the will that was caught up the stone, that was cut without hands. And the child says, whatever. The preacher comes and he preaches. You shouldn't dance to worldly music. Michael Jackson is of the devil. The child says, I don't listen to Michael Jackson. We need a preacher that will come and tell you Justin Bieber is of the devil. Then you, so the pastor knows this Justin Bieber. We have willingly made the message irrelevant to our lives. We have detached ourselves from its reality. We have things that we call carnal and things that we call spiritual. But if you remember how I started my sermon, it started with a quote where the prophet says, I'm saying this with all respect. A black man needs to see God in demonstration. An Indian man needs to see God in demonstration. So where does God start to demonstrate? He starts right where you have your problem. And every problem has a scriptural solution. Are you with me? So Jude here says, I hold that you prosper even as your soul. Now if you look at Joshua chapter 1, I'm about to close. When the prophet preached about these scriptures, I've taken you the root, the background. It just didn't come. It came by the vision of a hand. So I'm saying to the believers, catch the vision of the hand. But how be it, I started reading it from an abstract hand that came and condemned. But this hand is not coming to condemn, it's coming to show you your position. And if it has shown you your position, you need to start to gather courage within you. To say, if I believe it, I'll wrestle with it. That's the kind of faith that Paul had. Paul believed that if I am promised healing, I should be healed. If God does not come and heal me, he will have to come and tell me after I've fasted three times. He says, ah, Paul, I know. You are relentless. Once you believe a thing, you won't stop until it happens. My grace is sufficient for you. You stay like this. I've already blessed you in other dimensions. So Paul would relax. He says, ah, okay, I don't know. My, this issue with my eyes, it's a thorn in the flesh. So you cannot say it's a thorn in the flesh when you've just started it once. You've started to knock for a house. And then you saw the challenges. The bank, said, bank statements, the things that they required, you don't have. Says, I knew it wasn't going to work. The very fact that there is a challenge, it's actually to streamline who gets it. So you make up your mind that it's for me. I've read it. I believe it. And the prophet has told me I can get it. Then it will be yours. 
Are you with me? So, the prophet took those three messages, paradox, preached it three times, as I was with Moses, who call it the fourth paradox. And in there, he specifically says, the book of Joshua parallels Ephesians. Now, we know that from the book Adoption, but adoption was before the seals, just after the Holy Ghost. So to those that, are, uh, that want to duck and dive in the message, they'll tell you, oh, don't worry about that. But let me tell you, 1965, when the prophet says this, he then takes that message I've just quoted from 1965. It's only a 45-minute take. And he says, today, I'm just going to introduce my subject and then just going to ask for God to come and do some paradoxes. Then he closes. And he just mentions that scripture and how it came. That it came every time somebody gave me a Bible, it opened to Joshua chapter 1. Every time, every time, every time. So it's something of significant notes. And the prophet, when he mentions that Ephesians, parallels Joshua, he then singles out a man. And he says, Ephesians was the perfect type. You could call it the Joshua of the New Testament. And then Joshua, you could call it the Ephesians of the Old Testament. And then he makes a particular statement that shook me out of my boots. He says, the book of Joshua is actually the book of redemption. He equates Joshua to the seals. Because the seals are a book of redemption. When that was said, I said, what? That is why you then find the pastor to the book of Ephesians, to the Ephesians, John. If you read the book of John, from first epistle of John to the third epistle of John, it's talking about overcoming, 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 overcoming. And then after talking about overcoming, he talks about overcoming. And he says, faith is our victory. It's all addressed by the same man. So what am I saying to you? Catch the vision of the hand that read slowly from Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 9. Which means whatever it is, as I'm about to close, whatever it is that's challenging you as we rise to our feet, whatever it is that's challenging you, I want you to look at this quotation closely as I close. Listen to this. This land we are going to, it needs a battle to get there. Nothing comes easy. Sticking. Right. So Brother Abraham is commenting. He says, when God gave Israel Palestine, when he was in Egypt, but they had to fight for every inch of it. So whether you like it or not, it's not going to be handed on a platter. And he told Joshua, in Joshua 1, he said, wherever the soles of your foot treads upon, that I have given you. And the prophet said, so footprints means possession. See? Just keep walking. Walking. 
pressing on. And every time you make a step into the kingdom of God, that's yours. Just on. And listen to this remark. And all things, all things are possible. That's given. And all things are given. That's possible. But it's a battle. Every promise, if it's given, it's possible. And it was given because it's possible. There's so many people in here, you all have different needs. If your need is a scripture, it's possible. And if the scripture was given, it will happen. But you've got to be strong. You've got to be of good courage. Then our God will make a way. This is the portion of the bride to contend for the faith that was once delivered. I preach series. The service before this one, I preached about durable riches by a paradox. Might preach that this afternoon, God willing. Durable riches by a paradox. And I said, would you rather read the quotes where this element is with us? In the message, who is this Melchizedek preached in 1965? Paragraph 2, the prophet speaks. He says, Lord, may the Holy Ghost bring to us the material evidences of these things we are believing. The physical things and the spiritual. But somehow, in the institute of, of the message, we have taught ourselves that, ah, yeah, it's Pentecostal, the Pentecostal. In the Pentecostals, they've used the principles in the message without the life. Now, we've, we've got the life, so the only thing that's left in the message is message politics. And something exclusive that someone brings. And then now we start to have prophets who will prophet lie. Oh yes, it's a prophet lie. It's a lie. If you tell Mam Ruti that you are going to have a baby and the year is lapsed, Mam Ruti is not expecting. That's a lie. You ought to rebuke those spirits. And someone says, no, yeah, you blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Ah, the Holy Ghost, nothing beats this. Before I can go to the Amplified Prophets, this, from Genesis to Revelation, I can read it. Say, ah, Lord, did you mean this? Maybe I'm seeing things. Let me go and have a drink in the kitchen. I'll come back. That scripture, if it's true and the Bible is God, it's got to happen. Someone has got to have these things come, come to pass in their life. Come back. It's still there. The scripture hasn't evaporated. So these things are true. I would rather believe this. I was listening to a tape. The prophet says, in my church, I don't have much gifts operating. I said to myself, that's a shocker. Because now the cry for the people is, let's have gifts. 
That's the very thing the prophet is running away from, from the message as I was with Moses. He was using his gift of discernment and prophecy. And he's saying, Lord, forgive me. Let me now use the commission. I was using the sign. The sign is they will believe you if you take their hand. But now let me use the commission so that it can be imparted on us as well. So that the scripture that says contend for the faith that was once delivered, we now know what to contend for. So if a child or somebody gets cancer, and we see how the prophet contended with cancer. We don't need to see a vision. Neither do we need a prophecy. We simply say, them that observe their uh, symptoms, they forsake their own messes. The doctor says, you've got cancer. I say, I don't. Because you are now using how he contended. Now, if you tell me to contend for prophecy, and the prophecy that I have only goes this far, do you know why fivefold prophecy of the, five, the prophecy of a five-fold minister did not get much prominence. It's because even in the Bible, it never got much prominence. There was a man called Agabus. He was a prophet. He's the one that prophesied to Philip, to, to, to Paul. Says the man whose schedule this is, if he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to die. But Paul had already said. I've run the race. I've fought a good fight. I'm ready to be offered. And the prophecy came. And Paul says, what, what mean you break my heart? You want me to not go to Jerusalem because you've said I'm going to be killed. I'm going. The prophecy never stopped nothing. He still went. And he was killed. He says, I'm ready for the Matthias crown. If the fivefold prophet had found a lot of prominence, it should be finding a lot of prominence also. But it only prophesied two, three times. But the prophecy never affected or changed anything. It simply said you are going to die, which he had already known. He had already wrote his eulogy himself. He says, I have fought a good fight. I, henceforth, there is a crown waiting for me. A crown of righteousness. And it will be good if I don't just get a crown of righteousness. I also want a crown of dish, of being a martyr. But now we see somebody. Those people have a, have a tendency to intimidate the church. See every brother going to give that brother a love offering. Prophesy, men of God. Prophesy. That's nonsense from the pits of hell. Don't belong in the message, those things. The true actual prophecy that comes into the message church. Brother Branham says, God can bring down his Holy Ghost and let one person prophesy. And they might never do it ever again. Because then, God is auditing that his people don't get into enticing spirits. The moment you label someone says, brother, there are prophecies, they come to pass. The first first one might have come to pass. Because God wanted to to speak. And that person should have been humble enough to only speak when God speaks. But then you say they are gifted. Then when you say they are gifted, you've made them a prophet. When you've made them a prophet, watch now. After you are relaxed, anything they say you now take because you thought you've proved it. Brother Branham gives the example. He says when Jehoshaphat was going to the war, this is 2 Chronicles chapter, chapter 20. It says, the spirit of the Lord fell upon a man and he prophesied and said, the army is coming tomorrow. They shall come from this mountain and you go to this mountain. 
says you can you can have a gift of interpreting. You can interpret. Says now now let's put them in 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 in, in gifts. Brother Branham was putting an order for a people that were putting pressure on him, and one of them was Junior Jackson. After that, where did the gift room go when Brother Branham went to be with the Lord? Then this thing just didn't evaporate. Brother Branham was trying to show us to depend on the word. He preached a message called the greatest battle ever fought. Because there was a sister who was 16 years old and was given up to die. Brother Branham says, bring her to church. That whole sermon is to raise that sister from the wheelchair. And Brother Branham said, he then comments in the next message, which is evening light. Evening messenger. He says, last week, to demonstrate something to the church, I came to the pulpit, never even touched that girl. I started thumping the word, and the word healed her, and she rose up and went and sat. And how did the word heal her? Brother Branham was simply telling him, you can decide to be healed, my sister, because in your soul, if you say not so and you don't sign, it will not be so. So I want you to know that all things are possible that's given. If there is a scriptural promise for anything, it is possible. And then it says, and all things are given that's possible. If the Bible says, I will heal you, it means healing is possible. The Bible says, while Peter yet spake, somebody received the Holy Ghost. It means it can happen. So I would that you prosper even as your soul prospers. The whole scenario we are talking about is that as long as we live within the parameters of Joshua 1 to 9, we should see paradoxes every day. May God bless you. I just want to pray over this congregation and every believer. If you believe that the message is the absolute, it does not need no amplified. It's good all by itself. And these things that you are lacking in your life, you want the Holy Ghost to intercede, intervene, undertake, and make a way. Our God is still in the business of doing the miraculous. Not because we are manufacturing them, but because we have taken and caught the vision of the hand. The hand came and scrolled from verse 1 to 9 of Joshua. We are guaranteed good success. We are guaranteed overcoming power. We are guaranteed to enjoy our religion in this gospel. Maybe you've never been challenged to come out of your comfort zone. The Holy Ghost is here to say, my brother, like Peter of old, you might have toiled all night and caught nothing. Why don't you launch out to the deep? Take God at his word. The same place that Joshua said, sun stand still, is exactly the same place that 
But Amaya said, Jesus, thou son of David. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. We are here in his presence. Whatever need, whatever situation, it can be taken care of right now in the presence of the Lord, in the simplicity of this. If you raise your hand, not half-mast like a flag, raise your hand like a believing Christian. You say, Lord, strengthen me. Give grace to my soul. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, no doubt, by the challenges we meet every day, you've prepared us for this hour. You say to Daniel, go thy way. Because you knew we were the people for this hour. Father God, it looks like the message of the hour has been neglected. But your, your prophets, like Jude of old, said, contend for the faith that was once delivered. Your prophet tells us that this element of the miraculous is within us. Lord, please make a way. Lord, we'd like to thank you, oh God, for these mystery truths to tell us that the book of Joshua is the book of redemption. Father God, we need to see you now more than ever. Start with our humble situations. Lord, I pray that as you bless us, we'll be careful to be humble enough to acknowledge you, to worship you, to submit ourselves to you. For thou art the fountain of life. Hands have been raised because underneath every hand is represented a situation and a challenge. I pray in Jesus' name that you go to that challenge. Put your power over it. Let your people take courage and know that the rapture will not happen until Daniel 11.32 is fulfilled. The people that know their God, they shall be strong and they will do exploits. Here we are, we see Joshua being told, be strong. Joshua himself being a type of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is very timid, but yet it is strong. It will not push itself upon somebody. But Lord, these people have come to church willingly to hear your voice in the promise of the day. I plead your blood and I pray that you might strengthen this church. Make them to understand the principles of the message in a deeper way. That they will not be tossed to and fro with the winds of doctrine and things that are masquerading in the message. These alien spirits will rebuke them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray for a fresh anointing upon the message of the hour to bring victory divine for your people. Lord, if there be any sick, challenge that sickness, even as the scripture says, I hold that you prosper even as your soul prospers. Pray that your people have repented, even as if from the beginning of the service right up to now. Oh God, deliver what they need. Father, I plead your blood and I pray, even for our sister Nyandoro, who, Lord, by request I would have loved to be in this church because of her unique amens. I pray that the Holy Ghost might visit her and strengthen her. You are the only person, Lord, that can heal without side effects. Undertake for our sister as I plead your blood in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be thou exalted. We thank you, Lord, for these things that have happened. Had they happened in the wrong place, we would have been crying right now. But Lord, you are the all-wise God. We bless your name for it. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to have this kind of friendship with Brother Madiba and the saints that have made it to church. Bless them indeed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.
How many are blessed? Just a round of applause for the word of God. Amen. It was quite mouthful, isn't it so? We are back here. I swear in Zimbabwe there were 25,000 believers that went and had lunch in an hour and they were back in the service. So we'll be back here at 3 o'clock. Amen. Half past 3, then we start. So that we give Brother Crosby a chance to just to lead out what God has put in his heart. And then we'll have communion service. Amen. Amen. Are having expectation during the second service? Amen. These things are true, folks. This message has got power. God bless you, Brother Anthony. Good to see you. I know you hardly left, uh, slept because of the challenges last night, but God will undertake care of that situation. Amen. We have prayed. I think what we will do, we'll just sing a song, and thereafter we are dismissed. 3.30 we are back. 3 o'clock exactly. And 3.30 we start. Amen. Tell your neighbor, not 3.30 we come. Three o'clock we come. But some people they think the period of grace is to give them extra time from home. No, 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 no. If we say three o'clock, everybody should be seated at three o'clock. Amen. God bless you. Just a sec. This is Brother Joseph Kamanga. I've been meaning to announce that he fellowships here. He's based in Middleburg. God bless you. All right. Give us a song. And then till I cannot guarantee you a seat. I cannot guarantee you a seat when you come. The best way to guarantee you a seat, you must be early. Hallelujah. We only have limited chairs. Amen. God bless.
Oh, no. 